0: Lesson two, Bitcoin and economics, part D, speculation, what it is. All right. In this section, we're talking about speculation Um, and speculation has a few different synonyms. Um, One of those is investing. Um, Investing usually implies that there's like long term and responsible action involved that you know, it's, it's what smart people do. They do investing. Um, but really that's just another term for speculation. Trading is, is a lot of times contrasted with investing, uh, where they say, you know, trading is like short-term and risky. Um, another synonym for speculation or another, uh, what's the word itself? Uh, so it's, but the, the, uh, the concept of speculation usually implies, uh, when it's used in, you know, common American vernacular that it's uh, selfish, you know, it hurts the little guy, you know, those evil oil speculators is usually the context. Um, and then the last way that speculation is referred to is entrepreneurship. And that usually has the connotation that it's cool. It involves running a business, um, you know, the, those are the good guys, right? The speculators are the bad guys, maybe the traders are the bad guys too, but the investors and the entrepreneurs, those are the good guys. All of these terms from an economist standpoint are completely synonymous. Um, they, uh, they don't involve any significant variations in the activities that are involved um, and they should be uh, used synonymously with the term speculation. So, what exactly is speculation then? Um, speculation is basically transporting goods to people that need them more, but you're transporting them through time, not space. So, if there's a uh, if there's a town over the hill that. Um, maybe they don't have any potato farmers and you, uh, you're in a town that has a lot of potato farmers you pick up those potatoes and you drive them to the town over, um, you've moved goods from, uh, from people that want those goods less to people that want those, those goods more in space. Right. Um, but if you, uh, if you identify that there's probably going to be a shortage of potatoes next year, for whatever reason, maybe you can see that there's blight coming on and you store potatoes, um, until next year, then what you've done is you've transported those potatoes through time, right? And you've either way, you're bringing those potatoes to people that want and need them more. Um, and that's the best way to think about speculation. It, it doesn't matter how long it is, right? It could be a couple of days, it could be 10 years. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you call it entrepreneurship or whether you call it trading um, or whether you you know just refer to it as speculation, it's the same activity. You're identifying that people want something um, and you're providing for that and getting ready to provide them that in the future. Um, And the the thing that's important about that is that you are identifying a need in the future that not everybody else has identified yet. Otherwise, there wouldn't be an opportunity to meet that need. Um, It is absolutely essential to human life. And the reason for that is that it it creates or destroys wealth. So in the example that we had, uh, moving goods through space. Um, let's say that you get a bunch of potatoes from an area where potatoes are desperately needed and you transport those thousand miles away to a place where there's tons of potatoes. There's an abundance of potatoes and potatoes are just rotting because there's so many potatoes, nobody needs them. And the real issue is transportation. What you've effectively done is destroyed all of those potatoes, right? Um, For all intents and purposes, you took potatoes that were desired in one area and you moved them to a place where they're worthless. The same thing can happen with speculation. If um, if there's a if let's say in the example of the anticipating potato blight, you uh, you take a bunch of potatoes and you store them and you wait until a year later when you're anticipating that there's going to be a, a potato famine, and it turns out that actually there's there's a new technology, there's um, maybe uh, farming techniques are better. Let's say fertilizer is better. And, uh, actually there's a ton more potatoes now. There's actually a, a, uh, you know, excess potatoes because we figured out how to farm potatoes with proper fertilizer. And now we have more potatoes than we know what to do with. We've, we've actually overproduced potatoes, right? So they're just sitting around rotting in piles. And then you show up and say, well, actually I took some potatoes from a year ago and stored them until today. Um, all you have done is, uh, destroyed the value of those potatoes, right? They, they were useful. They were needed. They could have fed hungry people and you've transported them to a time where they're worthless. So this is a really, really important thing to get right. If you get it right, you create life, right? If you get it wrong, you, you kill people. This is a very important activity. And then, um, uh, the last, you know, really nice thing about speculation is that promotion and demotion is promor- is proportional and automatic. So what that means is that if, you, uh, if you're a good speculator, you immediately get rewarded with um, additional economic resources that are going to be at your disposal for you to manage. Um, if you do a poor job, you're immediately demoted. Like, you know, let's use the potato example. If you transported potatoes from a point in time where they weren't valued to the point in time where they're much more valuable, the uh, the community, the marketplace is gonna reward you by making you more wealthy, which just means giving you more stuff, right? You're gonna be able to trade one potato for two ears of corn instead of one potato for half a ear of corn, right? And so when all is said and done, now you've got, you know, for your 50 pounds of potatoes, you've got 100 pounds of uh, ears of corn, right? Um, so you're you're wealthier and you have more resources to manage. But if, on the other hand, you take 50 pounds of potatoes and you transport them to a point in time where they're worthless, well, now you don't have that 50 pounds of potatoes worth of wealth that you're managed. Right? You've you've automatically lost that wealth. It's automatically been removed from your uh, from your management. So that's wonderful. And that has a bunch of positive consequences, obviously, because if people that, you know, if this is a really important activity and people are automatically removed from doing it or rewarded for doing it, then we get better results. Um, a good example of this uh, in, is uh, uh, in the Bible. Uh, one of the earliest stories of entrepreneurship that I know of is Joseph and Pharaoh Um, Joseph realizing that there's going to be a famine in Egypt, they're going to have seven good years and then they're going to have seven bad years. And so for seven years, he buys a bunch of wheat and stores it so that when the famine hits, uh, the people don't starve to death and it results in Joseph and Pharaoh becoming, you know, much wealthier, um, and also preventing a famine, right? So it doesn't get any better than that. And, uh, as far as, um, speculation itself or entrepreneurship, it can be really simple right It can be as simple as just collecting uh, toys and waiting till 50 years later when um, when they're rare and they're desired by people that have nostalgic feelings towards those toys right pretty pretty straightforward. Um, or it can be as complex as buying shares in a mine that's only going to be valuable after we colonize Mars because that mine, Uh, I don't know that mine produces cobalt and cobalt's going to be particularly needed in space exploration for whatever reason. Right. It, It can be very, very complicated, but the, the, the essential element, right? What it is that we're talking about remains the same. You are obtaining resources, um, and you're transporting them to a time where they're more valuable. And the other thing to keep in mind with speculation is that it's one out of only three ways that economists recognize that you can make money. You can speculate, which you know you're trans you're you're buying goods cheap and you're selling them high, right? Buy low, sell high. Um, or you can um, earn interest. Now, interest I think is somewhat overrated, especially in an economy with central banks, because they they tend to push the interest rate so low um, that you really can't get anything. Uh, and it's, uh, we'll talk about this later, but it's always tied up with speculation or almost always tied up with speculation to some degree. Um, but interest is basically a reward that you get for giving somebody else use of goods, um, and delaying your own gratification. So you would, you got five bucks. You would like to go buy candy with that five bucks. Instead, you buy a shovel, um, And you rent out the shovel and you end up getting more for it because you delayed gratification. Um, That's actually more. uh, Yeah, that's that's probably as good as an example as I can think of right now, Um, but really for the purposes of this course, like just assume the interest isn't all that valuable and, and put it put it to the side because it's usually a couple percent per year. Um, we think the natural rate of interest would be on on in, in most circumstances. Um, that's not much. And like I said, it's always, there, there's no way to get just pure interest, right? It's always, uh, it always involves risk, right? You give the bank your money and they pay you interest that's maybe a classic example of being able to earn interest. The problem is you're taking on a lot of risk. Is that bank going to give you money back? Uh, if you're in a fiat economy, is the interest that you get going to exceed the amount of uh, uh, decrease in value of the money, um, the, the, uh, the inflation that you're going to experience? So it's not, it's not easy just to get pure interest and it's a very small amount. So we'll just set that aside. And then the third way that you can uh, make money is labor um, and this doesn't mean necessarily dumb labor um, i think a lot of people are confused about the role of entrepreneurship because they think that the guy that manages a business is an entrepreneur um, from an economic standpoint he's not he's doing a job and that job might be a high paying job but just managing a business is labor it's not speculation um, so uh like I said, most human activities involve a combination of the three of these things, um, but it's still helpful to think about these things in distinct parts, right? So if you uh, if you invest in a business um, and you manage that business and you invest $100,000 in it, it's important to know that if you get $102,000 back um, that that two thousand dollar increase might just be interest, right? There, there's an element of the rewards that you're getting that is simply because you delayed consumption. So if you only get one hundred two thousand dollars back uh, on a business that you invested in, you you probably shouldn't think of yourself as speculating successfully in that case, right? Um, so it, it's it is helpful to think about these in different categories. Similarly, if you um, if you engage in speculation, if you buy a business and then you manage that business, like you're, you're there at 8 a.m. and you leave at you know, 2 in the morning and you do that for a year and you, you invest $100,000 and at the end of the year, you, know, you haven't really taken a salary and your business is worth $110,000, you should probably recognize that, um, that under those circumstances, you know, given how, uh, how expensive labor is, you've probably actually uh, been a bad speculator. You've actually probably destroyed wealth um, in the sense that you thought that this business was going to be more valuable in the future. Uh, if you mixed a certain amount of your labor with it, you you mixed more of your labor with it than $10,000 worth, and now it's it's worth less. So that that means that um, one, one of the ways that you can interpret that is that you were a very bad speculator, right? You could have been a terrible worker, but assuming that you did useful, productive labor, maybe the business would have been worth a whole lot less, right? Maybe it's a, it's a bookstore, it's a bookstore, um, or it's a, it's a small specialty shop and Amazon moved in, right? Um, so that would, that would be a result of bad speculation, not necessarily a result of, uh, doing bad work or being a bad, um, being a bad laborer. Um, so those three concepts, if you can keep them separate, even though, almost all human activity has them bundled up together in different degrees, it's still very, very helpful for clear thinking. Okay, so now we're talking about speculation uh, a little bit more. Um, So one of the things that's very valuable to understand about speculation is that it is one of only three ways that you can make money, uh, according to economists. And again, um, it's valuable to be able to think about these things clearly and distinctly as concepts. So speculation is one of them. And what we talked about, uh, what we talked about last time is that it's transporting goods through time, right? It's not transporting them through space, it's through time. It's predicting the future. It's trying to figure out what somebody's going to want Uh, that they don't want that much right now, or that's not super valued right now and will be more valued in the future and moving it to that time. Um, Another way that you can make money, according to economists, is you can earn interest. Um, Interest, I think, is very uh, much overrated. Um, The national rate of interest, what interest rates would be if we didn't have... uh, you know, central bankers completely screwing with our uh, our economy all the time. A lot of people think it's going to be around two or three percent. It's not uh, it's not huge. and um, the other the other problem with something like interest is these are these are distinct ways that you can make money. but when you actually do something as a human, you're often doing a combination of things. So I'll come back to that in a second. And then the last way that you can make money is through labor. Um, labor is just doing work that people want done. Um, and a lot of people that uh, call themselves entrepreneurs, you know, people that run businesses, they're really just laborers. Now, there's nothing insulting about the concept of labor, um, but what it means is that you're doing you're doing work, right? So if you're managing a business, you might you might be getting paid a few million dollars a year to manage a business, right? A CEO of a company. And as much as he is just performing the task of a CEO, is not an entrepreneur. He's a laborer. He's a very, very valuable, highly paid laborer. Um, But he's doing tasks and he's performing work in order to get paid. That's called labor. Um, Speculation is... Uh is different, right? So if you can keep these three concepts clear in your head, even though various activities might involve more than one of them, uh, for example, let's go back to interest. So let's say that you want to just earn interest. You don't want to do any speculation and you don't want to do any labor. Um, and you have a thousand dollars. You can drive down to a bank, but you're already engaging in a certain amount of labor to do that right you're you're doing work in order to accomplish this task so you're you're already you're already introducing labor just driving down to the bank um, then you can deposit your money with the bank but you have to keep in mind that there's a lot of things involved that you're trying to that you're actually doing when you decide to, to deposit money into a bank you are speculating that Um, that you're going to get more money back in the future than you are right now. And um, yes, interest exists. And so in theory, if everything was static, you would get a couple percent back. Um, And I'm going to ignore even the presence of central banks for simplicity. Let's say we're in a free market uh, situation and you deposit money with the bank. Well, you're also having to trust that the bank is not going to go bankrupt, right? And even with things like FDIC insurance and all the other games that get played, um, when banks go bankrupt, they can, they can print money to get out of it. But all that does is steal your money in a different way, right? Like in Egypt, not that long ago, they decided that they were going to take a certain amount of people's deposits uh, and they just took it. They called it a, a redeposit or something creative like that. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Um, uh, but But yeah, they just said, look, hey, we don't have enough money in the bank. And so we're going to take, we're going to decrease everybody's balances. And they just made an entry in the database. And that was the end of it. So you are engaging in uh, trying to decide how risky this thing is. Because at the end of the day, it's actually an investment, right? It might be a very low yield investment. But if I give you, if I put my money in a bank, the bank is turning around. They're lending that out to other people to do work with that it's very hard to tell the difference between that and a venture capital firm right or it's it's basically you're outsourcing the task of speculation but even when you're doing that you're speculating that the person you're giving it to is a good investment right so i don't i don't want to go into you know we could we could talk about this for a long time the 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 important concept here is that human activities often involve three of, three of these sort of things at the same time, right? They're, they're a type of activity. They're a type of action that gets you paid, uh, that earns Mm you, uh, wealth, uh, when you do it well, uh, when, when you do it well regarding speculation and labor, um, and in theory would pay you back, um, even if you do nothing, if all you do is delay consumption, you could get paid interest. Um, and it's good to know that these three concepts exist, but when a human is doing something, they're, they're often uh, more than just that involved. Um, okay, so that's hopefully helpful. I feel like there's more that could be said about that. Um, I know that we'll come back to it later, but, but I think one of the things that's helpful to know about that is setting interest aside if the only things that could make you money, um, and I think it's helpful to set interest aside, because again, it's a small amount and it's really hard to just get pure interest, especially in today's world, um, speculation and labor. So let's say that you open up a coffee shop and you decide that this coffee shop, um, you can buy this coffee shop for $50,000, but in a year and a half, you're going to be able to sell it for $150,000 because it's in a new neighborhood that uh, not a lot of people realize is up and coming, let's say, right? And so you expect that you're going to be able to sell a lot more coffee. And once the business is selling a lot more coffee, you're going to be able to sell it to somebody else that's happy to take it for the the increased cash flow that it has. So you buy it for $50,000 and then you work on it for a year. Now let's say that at the end of that year, the business is only worth $70,000. You, if you're not trying to think clearly about these different activities, You could come to the conclusion that you've earned twenty thousand dollars. That you know you you bought the business. You were a good speculator, um, but you weren't a great speculator. You thought you were going to go from fifty thousand to one hundred and fifty. You went from fifty to seventy in a year. That's a pretty good uh, return on investment, right? As a percentage, it's really high up there. So you could still feel like you were a good speculator. But the other thing that you have to, to factor in is how much of that $20,000 increase was just from your labor, right? Did, did you repaint the, uh, the building? Um, because if you personally repainted the building, that's probably about $20,000 of labor right there. Right. And if you repainted the building and then you performed management tasks for a year and you got rid of the bad staff and brought in the better staff, you did all these sort of things. It could very well be that you're a terrible speculator that you, um, you greatly overestimated the amount of demand that the neighborhood was going to have for coffee. And even though you're $20,000 richer, you have spent more than $50,000 in labor in order to get that. So not only were you a bad speculator, but you, you, you didn't not just make, you, you speculated so poorly that you not only failed to have a return um, and enjoy more wealth because you created more value for the world, but you actually took your own labor and squandered it, right? You, you took $50,000 worth of labor and you made it only worth a $20,000 improvement. That means you destroyed $30,000 of productive resources that could have made the world a better place. You're such a bad speculator that that you have a massively negative return on that activity. So this is just an example of why it's really helpful, even though these activities are all jumbled up together in in our lives, to try to separate out the concepts and think clearly about them. Um, and the, you know, the interest could play in there too, right? You could, you could say, well, um, part of the reason that, um, that the, you know, the, the business is worth $70,000 now is from interest. So I've got to take off at least a couple percent, uh, off of that. Right. Um, again, it's usually not a game changer, um, in anything that matters. So I tend to set it aside, but it, it does exist. And it is one of the ways that, uh, that people can create wealth. So, um, Okay. I feel good about that. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next part of speculation. So speculation is tough. Um, and, it, and the only reason I talked about interest in labor was to help us understand speculation a little bit more. Speculation is tough, it's, it's really tough. Um, and what it involves is knowledge of the future, right? Um, because what you have to do in order to be a good speculator is you have to know future prices. If you buy something that's worth $10 now and you believe that it's going to be worth $15 in two years or 20 years, the reason that you're doing that is that you think that you know the future price of that good. And if you just sit in that for a minute, that is a heck of a bold statement, right? It really is um, uh, very, very difficult to know anything about the future, right? It's hard to know uh, where you're going to be living in 10 years, let alone what the price of wheat will be in nine months, right? This is not an easy thing to do. Um, but there is good news, and that is that all human action is predicting the future, right? Um, when you decide that you're going to go to work in the morning, that's because you are predicting the future. You believe that if you go to the work, you're, if you go to work today, your life will be better than if you don't. Um, so the right way to look at speculation is somewhere between absolute terror. And, uh, it's just a mundane normal thing that we do. Right. Um, if you, if you really think about what's involved here, you're not going to take it lightly, but you're not going to be afraid of the bold, uh, cold reality that this is a game of predicting the future. Ah, Can't get my slide to go. All right. So, uh, future prices, Let's let's think this through. Let's analyze this a little bit because we don't have to predict who is going to be president in, you know, three years necessarily to be good speculators. We could. That's something that you could speculate on, and uh, if you if you knew who it was going to be, you could certainly profit from that knowledge. But um, but it, but let's uh, let's dissect this task a little bit. So, predicting future prices. Uh, we've talked about prices. Prices are a ratio of the goods exchanged in a trade humans trade things that they value less for things that they value more. And so all we really have to do is we have to think about what will humans want more? What are they gonna want more in the future than they want today? In the example earlier, we said, um, we're gonna buy a coffee shop and we're gonna buy the coffee shop because uh, we believe that humans are gonna want more coffee in this particular neighborhood on this particular street corner, right? That's not, that's not necessarily rocket science, but it is predicting the future and that means it's very difficult, right? There's going to be a margin of error there. If you, um, if you decide that you're going to build a coffee shop or buy a coffee, coffee shop in a particular neighborhood and then there's an earthquake that destroys the neighborhood, it doesn't mean that you were a fool, but it does mean that you failed to predict the future correctly. So probabilities is really what we're looking for, right? When you go to work in the morning, you don't know your life is gonna be better than if you sleep in. It's possible you're gonna die in a car accident on the way there, or that this is the day that you and your boss are just gonna meet eyes in a way that's not good, and you're gonna end up getting fired, right? You don't know anything about anything when it comes to to trying to predict the future, but you have probabilities, you have likelihoods, right? You believe it's more likely if you go to work today that your life will be better, that you won't get fired, et cetera, than if you don't. And that's what we're talking about when we're speculating, right? We're trying to specifically uh, try to predict future prices. Um, and all we have to do is be better than, than random chance, right? If you could predict the future price of wheat, um, with uh just barely better than random chance uh consistently for the next 20 years you'd probably be the most wealthy person in the world right you would have essentially a money printing machine um assuming you could do that every day right if you could if you could uh think of it this way if you could go into a casino and you could have uh if you could be the house, right? If you could have a 52% chance of winning every time you rolled the, the roulette wheel, um, you would be guaranteed to be as wealthy as you wanted to be. Assuming you could roll that roulette wheel as long as you want and you have enough, you know, let's say you start out with enough money to be able to roll it, you know, 50 times or something. So you're not going to get wiped out in the beginning, um, due to, you know, uh, variation or variance, right? Um, So that that's what we're shooting for when we're talking about predicting the future, just slightly better than random chance. Um, and that's good enough to be, to be very, uh, very, very successful.